What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Great Eye Podcast. I'm Justin Mahaley, and today I am going to do a thyroid deep dive. We're going to talk about blood work markers, what they mean, what their optimal ranges are, how to fix a thyroid, and undoing damage post-prep. Have your notepads ready. As always, there is some absolute gold inside. So I hope you guys enjoy. I'll see you there. I was looking through my podcast earlier today. I was like, man, what in the heck am I going to talk about? To be honest, um, the reason that I enjoy doing this podcast so much, well, there's a multitude of reasons. One of the reasons I enjoy doing this podcast so much is because it's just like off the rip. It's just like, I'll wake up that day and it's like, what do I want to talk about today? Um, well, today I decided, um, let's see, it's currently 1221. I decided around 1115 while I was uh, uh, crushing my breakfast that I was going to talk about thyroid and do an in deep dive on the thyroid. So um, had about 10 minutes of prep time since I had my chiropractor in there. But uh, it's fun because this podcast always challenges me. And I absolutely love that. Now, uh, before we begin and deep dive into the thyroid, and don't worry, I'm gonna make this as fun and sexy as it possibly can be. Um, we need to understand what what is the thyroid. Majority of you have listened to a lot of Grow Eye podcasts by this point. You probably have a good understanding of what's going on here with the thyroid and um, you know what it does. The thyroid is you know known for controlling metabolism, growth, many bodily functions. It's kind of like the master gland inside of the body, in my opinion. The thyroid gland, the anterior pituitary gland, hypothalamus. They comprise a circuit called the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid access. The main hormones produced are, is going to be the T4 and the T3. The thyrotropin releasing hormone, TRH, comes from the hypothalamus. The thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH, comes from the anterior pituitary gland. T4 um, works in the synchronous harmony to maintain proper feedback mechanism and homeostasis along with the TSH and, and TRH. So when someone has like hypothyroidism, which is called by an underactive thyroid gland, it typically manifests as uh, fatigue, a lot of weight gain, cold intolerance, um, constipation, things of the like. Hyperthyroid, which is caused by the opposite, um, hyper versus hypo. Hyperthyroid is going to be caused by thyroid gland function um, pertaining to weight loss, heat intolerance, diarrhea, tremors, muscle weakness, things of the like. A very, very important and um, uh, this nutrient is actually deficient still around the majority of the world. Um, iodine. It's an essential trace element which is absorbed in the small intestine. It is an integral part of T3 and T4. Um, so like iodized table salt, for example, is going to be our best intake for this because like seafood, seaweed, vegetables, things like that have this. It's just in such trace amounts that, you know, we really want to have 10 to 20 micrograms of iodine daily and decrease iodine intake can cause iodine deficiency. And if you are iodine deficient, uh, there's about a 99.99% chance, potentially 100% chance that you have decreased thyroid hormone synthesis. So 
It's obviously an extremely important thing. Iodine deficiency can cause um, goiter, which is where like the thyroid gland in your neck is going to appear. It's going to like grow. It's going to get larger and larger. Anytime you're iodine deficient, actually, um, and sometimes when you're selenium deficient, this is what's going to happen. The thyroid gland in your neck is going to grow and it's trying to enlarge itself in order to attract or catch or be able to get more selenium, more iodine, um, majority iodine in it so that it can do its job. Um, obviously that would look a little bit freaky, um, but that's commonly how it manifests. Um, hypothyroidism obviously is, um, a, a big item here as well. So I want to talk about blood tests that go into, um, your thyroid and, you know, what we should look out for, what are some things that we very commonly see and what are all of the important, um, uh, blood work examinations that you need. But before I begin, one of the biggest problems I see, um, is that TSH is often the only marker that's really, uh, that doctors, I guess, are fixated on, right? TSH tells us if a patient has a normal, an overactive, an underactive thyroid, but it doesn't really tell us any of the mechanical mechanisms of what the thyroid is actually doing, how it's performing, the way that it's taking the nutrients um, that it is given, and how it's synthesizing synthesizing those in order to uh, uh, create the most metabolically stable place for us to be. So if we just see TSH, I get blood work sent to me that a doctor and it's just TSH. That doesn't tell me anything. Um, we, we need a full thyroid panel, um, which I'm going to go over what that looks like. And, and I, I think it's just frustrating because like if TSH is off, well, it could be inactive T4 thyroid is converting into the active T3 and that's driving some sort of hyperthyroidism. It could just be, we, it, it could be a million things. There could be a TRH reading that's, um, that's, uh, getting lost in the woods in the, in the conversion process. So thyroid dysfunction in any areas is going to cause, there's going to be some sort of low thyroid um, symptoms that occur. You know, whatever the, the mineral issue or imbalance or synthesizing issue imbalance may be, if we have dysfunction, we're going to have hypothyroid um, characteristics that are happening that we're experiencing. I want to know how much thyroid hormones binding to the thyroid transport proteins in the bloodstream. Is it getting to the tissues where it's needed or is it stuck to these transport proteins? If so, that too can cause low thyroid. So we might have enough T4, enough T3. We might have an optimal amount of TSH. But if the, the thyroid hormone's not breaking off the protein, we have these globulin proteins. Any, any hormone in the body has some globulin proteins and we have transporter proteins and things that like, if it's not breaking off of those items then we're going to have an underperforming thyroid, but we need to know exactly what's going on in order to fix it. So does a thyroid patient have another autoimmune disease? This is something that we're going to dive into here as well. If we focus solely on TSH and exclude these other vital markers, your athlete's health is going to continue to decline. And, and bodybuilding is so important to know exactly where your thyroid markers are just because we do so much manipulation of body weight, of body fat, of calories, of output, of all of these things, that understanding exactly how your thyroid is performing 
why each individual athlete is going through the biochemistry that they're going through is going to be extremely important for us. So start talking by talking about TSH. Like I said, helps us distinguish between normal, hypothyroid, hyperthyroid. Doesn't tell you the underlying imbalance causing it. If you have Hashimoto's disease, your TSH can be like a roller coaster if the autoimmune response isn't being addressed. In my opinion, an optimal place is between 1 and 2. Um, I really prefer it between 1.0 1.5. But whenever we see things over 3, that is an indication of hypothyroid uh, going on. So we really want to keep it below that 3 th- uh, threshold and to be honest, we in an, in a perfect world, I'd like to keep it above a 1.2 on the low end as well. Um, like I said, if we focus solely on this, we're really missing everything else like total T4, which 98% of what the thyroid gland produces is going to be reflected by the total T4 versus the free T4. We've had this discussion about total testosterone versus free testosterone and things of the like. It's because of those binding globulin proteins that's going to take these active uh, hormones up and uh, it's, it's, it's your body's homeostatic response to not allow anything to get too off kelter. The issue is your body thinks it's doing you a, a service just because of whatever stressor or variable that we've put it in. If it's a less than ideal situation, then our binding globulin is going to have a higher percentage of that total that it's going to take up. So 98% of what the thyroid produces is going to be reflected by total T4 versus free T4. This is a true depiction of whether the thyroid gland is doing its job. A good range. I like between 6.0 and 12.0. Total T3, 93% of thyroid hormone made by the thyroid gland is inactive T4, which your body must convert to active T3. We're going to talk about this conversion process in just a little bit. Failure of T4 conversion to T3 causes low thyroid symptoms, even if TSH is normal and if T4 is normal. If we're not converting, then we're going to have low thyroid symptoms. Optimal range there, 100 to 180 nanograms per deciliter. Free T3. This is the best marker for measuring active thyroid hormone because this is the thyroid hormone that your cells can actually use in optimal range. I really like between three and four. That's uh, picograms per milliliter. And then T3 uptake. This is when your thyroid hormones won't release or bind properly to the proteins that are carrying them. We briefly discussed this earlier. The most common cause for this is high estrogen from birth control or HRT. So we're going to talk about how to fix these things and give your body the nutrients that it needs if we have this issue. Optimal range is around 28 to 38%, in my opinion. Reverse T3, high cortisol, stress, inflammation, calls T4 and T3 to convert into reverse T3. Reverse T3 binds to thyroid receptors, blocking active T3 and causing low thyroid symptoms. So reverse T3 is a conversion from T3 that essentially it's an inactive. It can't be utilized. It's bound up by a thyroid globulin. But it it still binds to these thyroid receptors, but it's bound so tightly to this protein that nothing can be used there. This causes low thyroid symptoms. It's blocking the uptake of active T3. And now we have the antibodies. 
thyroid peroxidase antibody with a low thyroid likely indicate Hashimoto's disease. More than 80% of those suffering from low thyroid actually have Hashimoto's disease. An optimal range here is between 0 and 34 international units per milliliter. TGP antibody, a high, it's a high antithyroglobulin antibody with a low thyroid, is another likely indicator of Hashimoto's disease. So if this antibody is popping up and you have low thyroid activity, you likely have Hashimoto's. Optimal range is below one international unit per milliliter. So you want it like zero, as close to zero, zero as possible. Same with the TPO antibody. Close to zero as possible, you know, that's the best spot to be. TSI antibody, it's high thyroid stimulating immunoglobin antibody, likely indicates Graves' disease. Again, optimal range 0.0 to 0.55. Now, what can we do to increase? Actually, before I get into that, I want to talk about the thyroid function, things like if your thyroid's off, the first and foremost thing you can do is to stop doing what calls it to be off. If your thyroid's off, we've had elevated stress. We've likely had an under eating situation. You've heard me talk about homeostasis a ton, your body fat set point a ton. Um, there's a lot of things that play into this. This is where your body is kind of comfortable, quote unquote. Your body fat set point, this is where your body likes to hang out at. So everyone has that weight and that body fat look that is very natural for them to be in. And we are consistently trying to change this and make this you know, leaner and more muscular and more optimized for bodybuilding, right? And we're constantly fighting against the homeostatic set point that your body wants to naturally be able to live and thrive in because your body doesn't want to be a bodybuilder. Your body wants to be able to reproduce. It wants to be able to thrive within the reproduction and provide for offspring, provide for a family. That's what your body's focus is on is reproduction. For males, it's spreading a seed. For females, it's fertilizing a seed. That's the main focus. So we're going so far away from our homeostatic set point within all of the work that we do to constantly try to improve our physique. So your thyroid's responding to this. It's, it's responding to elevated neural hormones. And this is something that's commonly overlooked, like adrenaline, epinephrine. Those burn a lot of calories. When they're high in your body, they're very glycogen dependent. So you'll, you'll burn up a lot of glycogen when adrenaline, epinephrine are elevated. Environmental influences like temperature and air quality can play into it because the air quality can, you breathe that in, elevates reactive oxygen species and things of the like. The temperature, man, if you live in a place that it's, you know, 100 degrees year round, your thyroid's going to constantly be trying to cool you off. Your thyroid's like an HVAC system, right? Um, and so these are all things to take into account when you're assessing your uh, thyroid blood work, your athlete's thyroid blood work, things the like. But the further you get from that normal set point, the more thyroid dysfunction you're going to get. Or, you know, if, if we're going the opposite way and we're not talking about bodybuilding, we're talking about like putting on excess amounts of body fat, there's typically going to be an uptick in what your thyroid is going to produce because once you get to a certain level of, okay, we are too far over our body fat set point, 
your TSH will go up, T4 will go up, T3 will go up, the um, thyroid and, um, uh, um, globulin hormones are going to go up, things of the like. And this obviously, it's going to look on paper, it can look like a hyperthyroid situation. But the reality is your thyroid's really just trying to not to disallow further fat accumulation to be reached. There's been many consultations that I've done, and it's something that I have recently helped a mentee with. I believe that was yesterday morning. He had this client, and he sends me over her her uh, blood panels, and she's, you know I always ask for pictures and whatnot. She's rather overweight. But man, her thyroid just looks like it was cranking. It looked like someone who was supplementing with a good bit of T4 and T3 near the end of a contest preparation phase. And uh, he was so confused. He had no idea, you know, like, what do I do? Like, how do I fix this? Well, what's going on is this person's body is trying to just keep up with how much excess they have. And it's very metabolically expensive to just store all of this excess body weight. I mean, think about as you put on one pound of amino acid of muscle, you put on one pound of amino acid storage. That is very metabolically difficult for your body to hold on to. We have to increase our energy intake or decrease our energy expenditure to allow our body to find a homeostatic um, rhythm there and allow it to keep that around. So the same holds true when you're putting on a bunch of excess body fat. Your thyroid's gonna go off the rip, but what's gonna happen is your TSH is just gonna be signaling for more and more and more and more. And like it just it just isn't able to make it's just not able to keep up with the demand that you're placing on it, right? So the blood work of a, of a overly fat individual, I guess we should say for lack of better terminology here, is definitely going to be skewed. Um, it's not going to look how you would expect it to look unless they've been, you know, that, um, I guess, obese for an extended period of time, like years and years and years. Um, but Let's get back to the, the basis of this. How do we fix thyroid issues? The reason this is so important and why I want to talk about it is because every one of us comes out of a contest prep and we have to fix our thyroid. For us to get to a homeostatic set point, for us to be able to you know, live in a more normal lifestyle after a prep, maybe have intuitive eating days, maybe um, you know, have consistent cheat meals, maybe have higher food, whatever it might be, we are going to have to get our thyroid uh, to be outputting at you know a, a sufficient state and in a sufficient manner for us to maintain our body fat percentage or body weight where we can eat more intake, fuel training, build more muscle, whatever the case may be. So your thyroid comes back, things aren't looking good. It's not producing enough or it's producing too much. Number one, if it's producing too much, this, I can think of, I can think of max two times, but I'm pretty sure just one time in my 11 years that someone who wasn't using thyroid meds had this extremely hyperactive thyroid. Um, usually hyperactive thyroids come from 
misdosage of thyroid meds. So if someone doesn't have a thyroid um, and they need to take T4 and T3 supplemental, if someone used to have Hashimoto's or Graves disease or any of those things, and they take T4, T3 meds uh, to offset it or the armor thyroid, which I'm not a fan of whatsoever. Um, like with any HRT, I enjoy each individual hormone being in its own individual setting. So I like T4 as a standalone. T3 is a standalone, just like in HRT, where I like testosterone as standalone, DHA as a standalone, progesterone as a standalone, estradiol as a standalone, so that we can individually supplement with all of these things. So to fix, provide nutrients that the thyroid needs. We have low thyroid. Well, we're probably low in iodine. Iodine is a building block and key ingredient of thyroid hormone. Iodine requires selenium in order to be synthesized properly in a thyroid hormone. Iodized salt is the primary source of this mineral in the United States. Most people should regularly use, should regularly use salt enriched with iodine to get enough iodine in their diet. Iodine is known to control thyroid function. Its main effects are to decrease the response of the thyroid to thyrotropin, which is TSH. T4 and T3 are both made by your thyroid gland, but both these hormones contain iodide, which is a form of iodine. You intake iodine, it can be converted to iodide when it's ready to be utilized by the thyroid gland to make T4. Iodine deficiencies cause multifocal autonomous growth of thyroid, which results in thyrotoxicosis. So if we have, a, if we have low iodine, your thyroid is going to grow almost like it has a tumor. This is obviously going to be very toxic, but it's the exact same thing that I um, uh, discussed earlier. It's because it's trying to get bigger to catch or trap or attract more iodine into it. The only physiological role known for iodine in the human body is the synthesis of thyroid hormones by the thyroid gland. Just think about that. That's massive. The only role that iodine plays in the body is for the thyroid gland. That's pretty crazy to think about. Iodized salt, 10 to 20 micrograms of iodine daily can ensure your iodine levels stay above threshold for thyroid deficiencies. Number two, selenium. Selenium contributes to the antioxidant defense in the thyroid by removing oxygen-free radicals generated during the production of thyroid hormones. So as your body produces thyroid hormones, there's reactive oxygen species that are let off through that process. I talked about air quality, pollution, things to the like. Your thyroid is going to attract poor air quality, poor pollutants that come into your body. And those can bog down, obviously cause inflammation of the gland. Selenium contributes heavily to the antioxidant defense in the thyroid. And it's specific to the thyroid because the concentration of selenium in the thyroid is higher than in any other organ in the body. So yeah, NAC, glutathione, all those things help as well. But when your body notices selenium is coming in, it's going to send it directly to the thyroid. So selenium also relates to reduced thyroid peroxidase antibody levels in the blood. So if your TPAB, TPOAB is high, selenium is going to help. Selenium deficiency impairs thyroid hormone metabolism by inhibiting the synthesis and activity of the iodothyronine, which converts T4 to T3. 
I do not know how to say that second word, if I'm being honest with you. I put it in my notes, and when I when I took it from um, the NCBI, I had to do the speech out loud thing. It's like Diodenaces or Diodenaces or something like that, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm some genius on how to say that word because I have no idea. But essentially what it does is that iodothyronine diodenases is what that's what converts the t4 to the t3 so the selenium deficiency impairs this from happening the concentration of selenium like i said is higher in the thyroid than any other organ in the body so your, your thyroid can actually store selenium the nutrient selenium can be stored in your thyroid and it can be utilized just called on and utilized like any other storage in your body can be um which is pretty fascinating because if it's this deficient it's going to try to hold on to as much as possible and use as little as possible. Or if it just doesn't have enough coming in and it's running lower than it would like to be, then you could have hypothyroid issues pop up just simply because your thyroid's holding on to selenium rather than using it. Your body doesn't make selenium, so you have to get it through food and or supplements. There are tests available online to determine whether or not you have selenium deficiency. I like starting selenium dosage at 200 micrograms daily where it's needed. And after three weeks, I would just simply test again. I think the test online is like 40 bucks. So it's not bad. So if you're going to get a test, get two tests. Um, and if the first test comes back that, hey, you're a little bit deficient, well, you have a second test on hand to retest in uh, three weeks after you start that protocol. The last one's tyrosine. Tyrosine is used in your body to create T4 in combination with iodine, but also adrenal hormones, epinephrine and norepinephrine, as well as melanin for skin pigmentation. If you have thyroid problems, it is likely a very good idea to supplement with iodine through salt plus tyrosine at 500 milligrams daily for three weeks. I like pulling it back to 250 milligrams daily for another three weeks before retesting thyroid. Now, if our tyrosine it's too high in the body, then we're going to have adrenal hormone dysfunction because we're going to have a bolus of tyrosine, which is going to result in the increase in epinephrine and norepinephrine that is released from adrenal hormones. The only thing that can really happen with excess melanin for skin pigmentation is you might get a little more tan than you usually do. So nothing, but yeah, I just, I, I don't think you're actually going to see anything in your skin pigmentation from um, the uh, uh, bolus of tyrosine. Um, but I think this is pretty straightforward. If this is, ha if, if you're having a thyroid issue, it's very likely going to be hypothyroid. Now, that's the supplemental approach. The protocol approach, we talked about stop doing whatever it was that caused the thyroid issue, right? So we have, say we're in a reverse diet and we have really high um, uh, cardio, real low food. Well, that's what a reverse diet is for. And that's why a reverse diet is so important. A reverse diet is not just important for your physique and like not putting on excess body fat. It's important because we're reversing all of the internal issues that were caused to get that lean for a stage showing in bodybuilding. We're reversing out of those. So diet low in food. We know that carbohydrates are extremely important in the conversion of T4 to T3. We know that carbohydrates are important for your body maintaining a healthy body temperature which directly plays a role into the, uh, into the thyroid function. We know that this is very important. So we come out of a contest prep 
Well, the first thing we should do is probably raise the carbohydrates a pretty decent amount. I, I, I'm cool keeping cardio in. Um, I don't ever want cardio to be as high as it was like in the highest part of prep, but where was it at the beginning of peak week? I think it's probably a good idea to bring that back in for the beginning of the reverse phase and then pull back from there. Cause the reality is more food and majority of cases, having more food is going to do us more is going to help your body alleviate the damage caused by the prep faster than having lower cardio is going to. Of course, there's a threshold for this. If we have three hours of cardio a day, well, then everything goes out the window. We need to not have three hours of cardio a day. But if we're raising food first and foremost, then that's going to provide our body the nutrients that it needs to simply elevate your thyroid and fix other endocrine uh, downstream issues. Um it also obviously for your training, your sleep, all that stuff. And as you're training, your sleep, your circadian health, um, you're, you're going to have more energy. So we're less reliant on stimulants. As those things work themselves out, your thyroid's going to have a very positive response to that, to, to that as well. Pulling back the extreme output over time is going to be very beneficial. Putting on some more body fat and getting closer to that body fat set point. But one thing to keep in mind, every time you prep, whenever you prep and you nail the reverse, these go hand in hand. If, if you prep and get in shape, but you miss a reverse, you completely miss all the benefits of what you could have out of the prep. If you prep, but don't get in shape and nail the reverse, well, you miss all the benefits because you didn't get in shape. You can, you absolutely will change your body fat set point. And I'm noticing this in real time. I was my highest weight of the all season this morning, 259.2. And I still had glute lines. I still had full abdominals. I was the leanest. I, the, the last time I was this lean in all season phase, I mean, I was like 248. So I'm like way above where I was and staying, you know, really tight, nail the reverse and get in shape. You're changing your body fat set point. You change your, your, uh, the, the body weight that you you feel homeostasis within. And as you get closer to your homeostatic set point, your thyroid's obviously going to respond very positively to that. Now, one thing I hate doing, we're prepping, we have T4, T3, and we finish a prep. Don't pull those right away. Keep those in. Keep those in until we're able to work food up, work output down, and you know get some cheats out of the way and whatnot. Or else what's going to happen is we're going to pull those down. Thyroid has nothing to stand on, nothing fixing it because food intake isn't very high and output's still really high. So your thyroid's going to stay down regulated, and you just took out the only thing that was regulating it. So there's going to be downstream effects that happen from that that are not going to be very positive in nature. Leave that T4, T3 in for, um, I mean, as long as need be post-prep, really as long as you can fix you know, whatever comes up. But that's one of my golden rules of prep as a coach. Don't create anything that you can't fix. And you know, if you stay within those guidelines, you'll probably be pretty well set there. Um, so we pull down the extreme stress. At the end of a prep, there's a lot of life stress. Just inherently, your cortisol is going to be elevated as well, which isn't always a bad thing. You can leverage that for positive in prep. Since cortisol um, is, is catabolic in nature, we can help uh, utilize that elevated cortisol to break down fatty acids and um, um, excess glycogen and whatnot. But 
We want to bring that back down to a baseline. Really want cortisol in between like 11, 13, maybe 10, and 14. I really like it at that 12 number, uh, in case you couldn't tell us the middle of both those ranges I gave. So getting cortisol back into that spot is only going to help our thyroid. Um, but reversing everything that we did to create the thyroid issue, just like any issue, you have amenorrhea, what caused the amenorrhea? Reverse that. This stuff isn't rocket science. See, Whenever something is caused, and this goes for any part of a protocol, a health fix, a building phase, anything, whatever was caused, if you just trace backwards to the steps that correlated into this happening, well, if you want to undo it, you, you, you just simply reverse the steps that caused it. That's all that you have to do. And when you really, you know, realize how simple this is, then you kind of can fix any health ailment at that point. You just need to have enough background data on an athlete to be able to do so. So all about the thyroid. I believe that's uh, enough for the day. I, I know that was a good bit of knowledge thrown at you guys at once. As always, I hope this helps. I'll see you next time. <laughs>